and the Greatest Voice Podcast ask a men shout out to every single soul that is partaking in the feast, this divine gathering of random rhetoric that is hosted by me, your prince, your sovereign JT, the God, the Lord, the sovereign, the prince, the demigod, the dude who is currently working as a security guard in hopes that his dream to be the greatest broadcaster in the world comes to fruition. What is up with you? How are you doing? Um... As always, in the family tradition of this community-wide known podcast, we shall commence this podcast with a quote, to a song, to a verse, to a ballad, to a melody that really did have me in my fields as I awoke this morning quoting songs by Michelle, Beyonce Knowles Carter, and Miss Kelly Rowland and Destiny Child. No, the quote of the day does not come from them. The quote of the day comes from a young man from the eastern side of my country, Washington, D.C. His name is Brent Fias. How often you listen to me on the microphone, how often you partake in my podcast will let me know if you how much you how much that rung a bell to you, because I have quoted this particular bar on the podcast at least eight to nine times now. Like it has been a minute. It's a quote in the song. It's a a song by him called Stay Down. Very beautiful song. It's on his album called Sonderson. To this day, I I do not know what Sonderson means. I don't even I didn't even know that Sonder was a word until I knew about this young Negro. And in the song, Stay Down, at the 52-second mark in the song, he has a quote where he says, he's talking about a beautiful young lady. I'm assuming a beautiful young lady because the woman he's dating right now is a beautiful young lady. She has very thick eyebrows. I would just like to know that thickest eyebrows I've ever seen. I thought they were two live caterpillars when I first saw them. The quote that he says at the 52-second mark, it's, Girl, you the vision of what I like, and I promise to be yours. Tell me your goals and your problems. I'll be more than the man for you. I'll be your friend. Come here and love me down. Come here and partake in all this passion that I have waiting for you. How can you not feel that, bro? Hey, say what you want to about. See, the thing about, I like about Brent Fias, and, and, about, and by the way, again, shout out to everybody who's listening to me live right now. This is the first episode of the podcast that is actually only exclusively available for those of you guys who listen to me on YouTube. Um... One thing I like about Brent Fias is I like that he writes his own verses and I like the simplistic genius of his verses. Like, there's another song by him called Missing Out and in the song he says, I just got back from LA. Yes, I plan to move. And I know I am aware of that's what they all say, but I'm going to be somebody to know soon. I'm going to be somebody of noteworthy conversation soon in the coming time. How can you? How can you sit? In, how can you sit in your in your uh, Illumina caravan with your earphones in, hear that? Well, truthfully, you could play it on the radio if you had the aux cord, but I'm assuming your car is of a decrepit kind. How could you hear that bar and not feel a certain type of way, bro? Like, dude's just a genius. Dude is just a sovereign when it comes to music, bro. I play this young man's music at least four hours out the day. Like this man, God knows. But um, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? How you feeling? If this is your first time listening to me. I appreciate you partaking in this. I appreciate you subscribing to my YouTube channel. I have done most of this podcast on Twitter, on Periscope, on Anchor, because that's where I'm getting most of my views. On Twitter, this podcast is averaging 10,000 to 15,000 of recording, and it's dope, but I want to move the movement to YouTube because I do feel that the platform YouTube offers more it offers more growth than Twitter. You know, Twitter is good at, at actually reaching the fans who listen to your podcast just like, like that. But I feel like with YouTube, you have more. I feel like YouTube offers more opportunity for growth. You know, just with the ad, how you can make money off the ad program. Just how you can link people to your Patreon or even how you can get people to donate. So, 
for those of you guys who have already been subscribed to this channel, and those of you guys who are um, who are going to be new, who are newly subscribed, thank you for coming. Thank you for participating. Let's make this thing go viral. I am the greatest voice. I am the greatest voice on YouTube. I shall retain that title, and I'll bear it. Why I bear it with pride, and with the help of you guys, I can soon become the greatest YouTuber of all time. So let's see where it goes from there. Now, um, we have quite a few topics to talk about today. I put my thinking cap on after listening to Brent Fias this morning, so I have a lot of thoughts to get off my chest. I have a lot of my brain. I have a lot of my heart, and I think you guys will appreciate it. Um, let's see. Got about seven things I want to talk about today, and some of this stuff I have talked about on my other platforms, on my Snapchat, on my Instagram, on my Twitter. But it's just on my podcast on YouTube. I haven't took time to dive deep into these topics simply because, like I said, I was catering to the platforms where I was getting the most viewership, where you guys were actually tuning in, following, subscribing, and sending me DMs of yourselves naked. So I appreciate the love. Shout out to all the females who be listening to me. Um, so the first topic that we shall cover is the Aladdin movie review. Aladdin, Arabian Nights. What a wonderful day. Why can't it be American nice? Why can't it be California nice? What does it have to be? Why does it have to be Arabian nice? Did you know that even in the original Aladdin tale, Aladdin was not even of Arabic descent? He was actually Chinese. He was a Chino. But, you know, in this film, he's not even. He's not, I don't even know if this guy. What is this guy? What was he again? Mina Masood, who plays Aladdin in this film. I think he's like, um. I think he's like Egyptian or something like that. I forgot what he is. I think he's like from Canada. He's, he, he's something high British. I forget. But anyway, with that being said, uh, Friday, last Friday, the film was released to the general public last Friday or last Thursday night. I took $22 and I went to the theater to see that along with Brightburn. And I'm here to give you my opinion about both films. Well, I'm going to save Aladdin first. Brightburn, I might do at the end of this episode of the podcast because I do got a lot I want to cover outside of just reviewing movies that show how immature I am or show my age. Um, so I decided to take some time to watch Aladdin. And my opinion about the film, I have some very, 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 I, have, I feel six to seven different ways about this film. There are aspects about the film that I think deserve critical acclaim. There are also aspects about the film that I think deserve, like, the most terrible infamy of terrible merits. Like, I feel like there's some aspects about this film that they definitely need to burn and throw shit at this. Somebody should have threw, like, actual live human feces at the screen at some of these parts about the film. So, I'm kind of divided. It just being real with you. The very first 15 to 16 minutes of the film while sitting in that theater with no popcorn, no drinks, I'm trying to get my get my abs back. The first 15 to 16 minutes of the film, I loved. I adored. I loved how Mina Masood, and I am pretty sure that I am butchering that young man's name, Mina Masood is the man who played Aladdin. I love this parkour. I loved him getting his ninja warrior bag. I do not know how much of that athletic ability that I saw displayed in the 15 minutes of that film. I don't know how much that is owed to him. Or owed to just, you know, maybe good strings or the same strings they use on those guys in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I just know I was very entertained and I said, good, I see you, bro. Go ahead and get in your little Ninja Naruto Sasuke bag. I see you. I liked it. Um, I did think it was a little bit rushed how he just ran into Jasmine like in the first like minute and 32 seconds of the film. I felt that was kind of a little bit much. And truth be told, watching that film, I do feel it was rushed. Like, 
And when I when I critique this film, I compare it not to you know other films that you guys that have nothing to do with this film, nothing to do with this genre. I'm not comparing it to Con Air. I'm not comparing it to um, I, I don't know um, Harry Potter, The Crimes of Grindelwald. I'm not comparing it to Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events. I am simply comparing it to other live action Disney films that I've seen, whether it was Cinderella, whether it was Into the Woods, whether it was Beauty and the Beast. I'm comparing it to those other films, whether it was Alice in Wonderland. And um, I keep wondering with you. I think all four or five of those films shits on this film. I got to keep it real with you. Like, it's, uh, it was very disappointing. I really felt like half of that $22 that I spent was wasted. Uh, I feel like the dude who played Aladdin, he did okay. And when I say that, I mean he didn't do terrible in the role. I would be lying to you if I'd sit here and told you he was like the worst actor. He totally, he totally destroyed my image, my childhood image of Aladdin. Like, I, he's just a terrible person. He's just hideous to look at. Like, no, nah, I think he did okay, but it was just okay. Like, I feel like he did as good as any actors. He, he felt like, it felt like if I went to McDonald's and I ordered a dollar hamburger and they made me a dollar hamburger. You know, I got what I asked for. I don't, I didn't feel like there was. I don't, when I watched that film, I didn't believe he was Aladdin. And I think that's what I mean. Like, when I watched the film while watching him hop over people's roofs on top of their tents and stuff and, and, and dashing and dot ducking and dodging the, I guess, the Agrabah version of cops through the brothels, I didn't feel that he was Aladdin. I didn't look at him and believe this is Aladdin. Just, I just didn't feel it. So I think that's the negative I throw to him. I feel like he just wasn't believable enough for me. And that's just what I'll say for him. If you talk about the other characters, Naomi Scott, who played Jasmine. If you talk about Will Smith, who played um, Jeannie. Will Smith bodies rule. Let's talk about that. Will Smith did the absolute best. Will Smith killed his shit. Like, Will Smith was... Will, 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 did, Will did exactly what I expected him to do. I said two years ago, I sat in the, at the Ramadan Inn Hotel in South San Francisco two years ago when I first found out that they had casted Will Smith to be Genie in this film. I said two years ago, I knew in my heart of hearts that Will Smith was going to body that role because I could just tell. Like, Will Smith, Will Smith's a good actor in general. You know, he gets his, he can get in his dramatic role bag and sometimes do a little bit too much. I personally don't like him when he's in his dramatic role bag. I did love him in The Pursuit of Happiness, but as far as in most other dramatic roles, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can pass on that. But in this film, he definitely held it down. Um, I think what, uh, what was I going to say? I said in my heart. What's in my heart? He got in his bag in this. I know there was some criticism surrounding the way that they CGI'd his genie, the way it looks, the way it kind of appears like a dusty old genie, like they got this genie from the family doll. They should have got at least the Walmart brand. This genie, I ain't gonna lie to you, he, there's some points where you see the genie in movement, you see him moving in the screen, and you're kind of like, you know what, I don't think this is a, I don't think this is, this is not a fluidly appear, this this genie does not appear fluid, like, it doesn't even appear cool, like, so there's some moments that, Will Smith did his job, I'll say that, Will Smith did his job, Will Smith did what I wanted him to do, he came on there, he bodied it, he was funny, the film honestly became a lot more digestible when he was on the screen. Kind of like how, like I told you guys last week, for those of you guys who listened to me on um, on um, Twitter and on my other podcast channel, 
when you saw when you watched Detective Pikachu, which I know I should not be watching Detective Pikachu as a grown ass man, but it is what it is. I am a '90s baby. I am a nerd, and I am proudly I when I wear both of those hats proudly. Um, it's kind of like how if you watch Detective Pikachu, Ryan Reynolds when Ryan Reynolds, when Ryan Reynolds comes on the screen. He adds a digestibility to the to the movie that was not there before him. And shout out to Justice Smith, who's actually Will Smith's son, who played in Detective Pikachu. I think he's I think he's a cool actor. It's just that there's nothing like catching about him, honestly. But in this film, Will Smith definitely held it down. You talk about Jasmine, Princess Jasmine, Naomi Scott. So we we can dive into that. They might have dared a little bit extra on Jasmine. They might have. Went a little bit too me too ish, me too ish, pander towards women in this uh, movie with her. There were some moments where, first off, Naomi did a good job. Naomi acted her ass off. Naomi did good enough to where I think that if I saw her outside of that film, I would look at her and think Princess Jasmine. And that's the bar I think it is. Like, when you have to when you embody the role when you when a person takes the role and they wear that role they breathe that role like when you see them all you think about is that like you see them all you see is that role kind of like when you see danny trejo all you think is machete kind of like when you see al pacino when i see him all i think is scarface well you're old now so i just think it's an old ass italian man but it gets to, it gets to a point where it gets to a point where it's kind of like i don't think i don't think with like i said when she did her role she did an excellent job but just bodying it I just think I just think to a certain extent it's kind of like she um I felt like with her performance they added some parts into the film. First off, when you watch this film, it's not the film that we it's not a live action remake of the film we grew up on. And that's where it differs from Beauty and the Beast. That's what that's where it differs from Beauty and the Beast. That's where it differs from Aladdin like I mean that's where it differs from uh, Cinderella like Though all those films are live action remakes of what we grew up on, they're live and they're good actually. Like that Cinderella film, by that that Cinderella film, and it did good in the box office. I looked it up recently; it did five hundred million in the box office. It's good. It's it, it did good. It was a successful film. Profit was amazing, but at the same time, I do feel it does not get the credit it deserves for being an amazing live action remake. Shout out to Lily James; she's my future baby mama. Like I I, I do think that. And it's the same thing I can say with well, Beauty and the Beast was cool. Beauty and the Beauty and the Beast wasn't like that eh, was a good film. As far as live action remakes go, it was definitely a lot better than Aladdin. Definitely does a it deserves more critical acclaim than Aladdin. So, but uh, yeah, Naomi did her Naomi, Naomi did her thing playing Jasmine in that film. Um, when you step out when you step outside of that, I just think there was some points in the film where they just tried to add some kind of. You know, here's the thing about films now. We can talk about this because I've been I've had a few conversations with people about this lately as of late. In essence, what happened in the film was they added a few moments in the film that kind of pandered to women empowerment and how strong women can be and how there's a male bias against women that keeps women out of power. And that is true. That is true. We have seen that in the workplace. We have seen that in family households. That is true. It's just that it can feel a little cringeworthy sometimes when it's not smoothly presented in a way in the art form or in the medium that we're having this conversation like i always bring up and i'm not going to stray that far from aladdin but i always bring up that part in in avengers endgame where 
at uh, at the end of the film, ten minutes before Thanos dies, you see all the female characters just come out of nowhere together. At, like all, they were all on separate venue. They were all in separate areas in the battlefield, but you just see all of them come together out of nowhere, and they just come together to help Captain Marvel, who's a female superhero, who's the strongest superhero in the game. She actually just flew through a spaceship. If you watch the film, but suddenly she needs help. Like, is the funny thing about it was they did that scene in Avengers to come off as like women empowering and help women but really it came off really sexist if you think about it like like eight people it just i'll talk about that later but with that being said that's just my personal opinion about that so in this film they tried to get that off and it, it was it was it was cool how they did it at least until the end like they give her naomi scott sings this song in the film called speechless and it's this because you know the whole thing, the whole thing. <laughs> Jafar. That's another thing. Let's talk about Jafar first. Let me, let me. I'm gonna put a button on the on the Jasmine thing. She acted good. I just wish they would have not made some of her performances so cringeworthy and add this kind of weird. I don't know. It is what it is. She did okay. Let's talk about Jafar. This 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 I. Jafar was this this was not it. First off. There were so many things wrong with Jafar in this film. I cannot even begin to. First off, why is his voice so high? And, at first, and initially, when I heard when I heard that, noticing how high his voice was, my my initial thought that I initially was is, oh, okay, well, his voice was hella high and it was annoying too. So maybe I guess they're going for the villain with the annoying voice. But his voice was just it was just irritating me. I couldn't believe that he was evil. Like I couldn't believe that this dude wanted to take over Agrabah and become the Sultan. I just he was not a believable villain. If you watch the live-action films, and I'm, once again, I'm always comparing back to the live-action films, when you watch Beauty and the Beast, and you see Gaston, who's played by my boy, I forgot his name, but he's, he played in Dracula, he played um, the um, he played Bard in um, The Hobbit, he's a very talented actor, I love his work. But if you watch Gaston in the Beauty and the Beast, you believe, you believe that that guy is Gaston. If you watch Cinderella, you believe the stepmother is the evil stepmother. That woman who played the stepmother, and I do not know her name, I cannot recall it, she acted her ass off. When you watch Jafar, the dude who played Jafar, when you watch this Tommy from uh, from the first season of Power Rangers looking at us, nigga, you, you do not believe that this dude is evil. Like, I, I'm just not sold in the performance at all. And it's, it's not to knock him, it's just, I just, I'm not, like, I'm, I wasn't sold on it at all. Like, he just did not sell me on his performance. Like, in no way, shape, or form did they convince me that he could be a believable villain. You know, I'm just being all the way honest with you. Like, I wasn't sold on his performance. Um, and, and then Iago, they, they gave Iago a non They made Iago this parrot who can kind of talk but can't talk. He just makes smart-ass remarks. And they're not even smart. They're not even funny at the time. Like, it just was... It felt like they just put Iago there just for to mark a checkoff in the box. Like, just to have him there. Just to have a few people go like, Oh, they had Iago! Like, he wasn't even funny. He added nothing to the dialogue of the movie at all. Um, I, think th I think the thing about making good villains in the film is you have to make villains who like you can't have a villain just to have a check in the box you can't have a villain just to have a villain you have to have a villain who people like some people somewhat some like fake way kind of like people a villain who has life a villain who who kind of like a villain who has some substance. I don't feel Jafar had any substance. The only time, the only period while sitting in that cold theater, because the theater was very cold, the only time while sitting in that cold theater off Laguna Boulevard that I felt like Jafar had some kind of 
some kind of personification of being somebody is like there's a point in the film where after he's kidnapped Aladdin and took him to somewhere randomly in the Sahara or the Arabic desert, wherever the hell, you know, you can kidnap and walk two for two days before they realize something's going on. He's talking to him about how he used to be a thief and he like stole something off Aladdin like really fast. And, you know, he was saying, yes, I used to be just like you, a street rat, but I, I worked my way from living on the streets as a street nigga to making my way into the palace and being the second most powerful man in Agrabah. And... You know, hey, that's cool. That's a cool. That's a cool discussion to have. But it's like, is that's cool? But it's like, I felt like they. I, I just, I felt like they didn't. I, I just was not sold on. I just was not sold on this beautiful man being a evil villain. Which that's another thing. You cannot have a villain that is almost as cute or cuter than the dude who's the superhero. That is not good. That is not a. That is that does not make. That does not make sense. That is not even. That's not even logical. Like. Gaston, well, I mean, that goes both ways. I mean, Gaston is so. <laughs> so, who's cuter, Gaston or Emma Watson in Beauty and the Beast? But then that's different because the character they wrote Gaston as being this beautiful, egocentric man who's supposed to be. I mean, they kind of tied and attracted this Emma Watson and the dude who played. I think his name is Luke Evans. I want to say Luke Evans is his name. But they're kind of tied and attractive this more or less. I think Luke, maybe got us a beat by maybe like a two and a half points. I don't know. But. You know, it was just, it's like, yeah, that bugged me. Just, I just was not feeling him at all in that film. And then, like, once it got towards the, they, they were just like, I'm not going to spoil the whole film for you, but I will say, there is a certain point in the film, like, it, like 20 minutes before it ends, 20 minutes before it concludes, that I'm like, bro, like, this ish is so corny beyond belief. Like, are y'all really, like, it's sometimes when I watch a film, when I watch a TV show, and there'll be an ending, there'll be a point in the film, a scene that is so corny, so unbelievable, so dry as oatmeal before it is wet with water and put in the microwave, that I'm like, how did you even think that, that people were going to like this shit? And I do, and I do like that people, for the most part, are being honest with their opinions about this film. It's like a mixed response, really, to be honest with you. It's doing numbers in the box office because, it's doing numbers in the box office, of course, because... It's Aladdin, you know. Like I said, I I, I knew a, I knew a month ago that the film was going to be a little bit less than than above par, but I still want to go see it because it's Aladdin. Because I'm a '90s baby, I have to go pay homage to Aladdin. I have to pay homage to the Magic Carpet. I have to go see Arabian Nights, bro. I have to. Um, in fact, what I was thinking about is when I get into my film production bag, when I get in my '30s and I'm doing film production and film directing, I want to get into making a maybe a, like a eight. 10, 10 episodes, 10 episode per se, 10 episode per season series on Arabian Nights. I don't know if anybody, you guys, I don't know if any of you guys out there were as fascinated with literature as I was at the young age of twelve before my penis was wet and before I started trying to chase my my um, my sexual carn, carnal desires. I used to love reading this. <laughs> Sometimes I get too descriptive about stuff. I used to love reading Arabian Nights. That was my stuff. Arabian Nights, like Arabian Days. That was my shit. And I bring that up because I've, Aladdin's in Arabian Nights too, but I was thinking about getting to a point where I, where when I've got a little bit of money in my pocket, when I got a little bit of change, I can interpret those films. I can interpret, interpret those stories in episode format and release them like in series. And I don't know. We'll talk about that later. We'll discuss my recreational my recreational ventures later. But outside of that, um, yeah, man, it, it just the film. There's some aspects about the film I do like, and there's some aspects about the film that I don't like. Like 
I love how colorful the scene is, how the setting is. I love Will Smith's performance. Um, I like Naomi Scott's performance. She did well. She embodied she embodied uh, Jasmine. And also, when it comes to the Sultan, I have to bring up that the Sultan. I do feel the Sultan was not. I don't. I wanted him to be just a little bit more fluffier. Like I wanted him to be like the Sultan that I grew up seeing, like the fat, rotund old man who's lovable and cute. Her dad was just a dick. Like this, this was a dick. He was sexist. Like. He just like he just was a dick. Like he just was a dick. Like he's like he was a dick. And he, he, oh, he was a dick. I didn't like him in that film. So if I had to score this film, uh, I'd probably give it like a shout out to Chris Stuckman. I know Chris Stuckman. He does it like by letter grades, like A, B, C, D, E, F. I don't even know if he goes to E. I give it maybe like a I give it like a, a C, like a C plus. A C plus just because I think Naomi Scott's friend, her handmaiden in the film, I feel like she was very beautiful. So I'll give her like a C plus. You know, it was cool. It was all right. It's just like, and like I said, when I compare this film, when I compare the quality of this film to other films, I'm only comparing it to the quality of other live action remakes that I've seen. Um, you know, like I said, Cinderella, very, the live action remake of Cinderella that came out in 2015, very, <clears throat> very, very, very underrated very very underrated film like you don't even know i i, I love that remake i love that lily james did her thing every person in that film like really bodied their roles in that film even beauty and the beast beauty and the beast is actually the more slower of the live action remakes and i i i've i've very rarely if ever rewatch it but it was a good film like they did a good job everybody did what they're supposed to do in that film i just think with aladdin they went down a totally different route they led into a dark forest that had trolls, that had dragons. They just mashed the shit out of them. And by the time they came out the path, they had a totally different movie plot than what I thought they were going to have. So, you know, like I said, my thing with Disney remakes is, is y'all got to do better than this. Because the Lion King remake comes out next month or in a month or two, a month or two, month. Um, today, actually, they just released the posters on, um, they just released the posters for the, um, for the um, the Lion King film, and I was and I looked at them; they looked cool. But it's kind of weird because, like, I mean, I don't. The the posters look cool. That's cute. I like uh, <laughs> I like how Zazu is supposed to be the dude who hosts that late night show. Uh, John Oliver, I think his name is, and they know he looked like a bird. He the only one who looked like his poster. Like he he looked like a bird. Seth Rogen Seth Rogen is gonna be a warthog. It'd be any if it be any anthropomorphic care animal that you think Seth Rogen would be, surely it'd be a warthog. But it's kind of weird. Like this is gonna sound very weird, and only people who grew up watching the cartoon, the Lion King cartoon, the Swan Princess cartoon, the Snow White cartoon, only y'all would probably understand this. I feel like that when you saw Nala in Aladdin, I mean, when you saw Nala in Lion King. Even and she's a female lion, obviously you can tell she has no mane. You know, for those of you guys who do not know know female lions have don't have manes, that's usually how you can dis discreet dis discern between what sex they are, if they're male or female. I feel like that when you see these characters, when you see Nala, when you see Simba in this, like and maybe it's because I don't feel like you can really I feel like when you watch the cartoon Lion King, you can see a certain kind of femininity in their face, in the way they design, maybe it's in their eyes, maybe it's in the way their snouts and lips are formed, that you look at it and be like, 
Like, I might hit. Like, you feel me? Like, you might look at Nala. Like, you might watch Nala in the Lion King cartoon. Like, no, nah, I might. She kind of cute, though, low-key. Like, she low-key kind of. You know, maybe it's just me. I don't believe in bestiality. I don't. But I'm just saying, like, you could kind of. There's a certain kind of, like, a. I don't know, but I don't know if this this sounds crazy, but it's like a certain kind of like it is a certain kind of physical attractiveness in the in the draw in the way that they drew the characters. You kinda can be like, Oh, I can see that that's a female. Like, I can see somebody wanna hit that like hella times. But you feel me? I don't I don't see that in the Lion King posters. And maybe it's because they made that they made the animals they actually they they drew they drew they CGI drew these animals the lot they drew them in a way to where you would look at them and think they were almost real like they did a, they did an excellent job on that I'll be real with you but it's kind of like I don't feel like they the only creature out of all of them that I see a lot of personality in that's gonna sound weird but from what I've seen the only one that I saw a lot of like personality in like was Scar they did a bomb ass job on Scar like you could look at Scar and tell this nigga's evil <laughs> like you can look at it he has that he just looks Scar looked like Scar looked like he went to San Quentin prison for 12 and a half years and then went to Folsom for three and a half years and, did, and then did another stint and saw Selena's like you you can look at him and you can look at Scar on a lot of levels and tell that he a street nigga like he he they they did a good ass job on Scar but everybody else I just don't I just don't see that same like that you don't I don't see a lot of like I don't know man like I that that's the gift about just old school pure animation is you can make the character look whatever way you want them to look you can make them embody and this is CGI drawing so truthfully you could probably do the same thing in that attempt but you can make this cartoon character embody all the personalities all the most loathful traits all the aspects of a person that you could possibly want and I feel like they, they kind of dropped the ball on this one a little bit with doing that but I'm, you know, nevertheless, like I said, I look at Lion King the same way that I look at Aladdin. At Aladdin, my childhood nostalgia, the '90s nostalgia, is going to draw me in the theaters next next month, and I'm going to watch. I'm going to entertain. I'm going to partake, and we are going to see what happens. You know, I'm, if I like it, I like it. If I don't like it, I don't like it. We'll see where it goes from there. Um, I, I think, but I do think this is going to be better than Aladdin. Like it's when you whatever. Like I said. It's very hard to take a cartoon and turn it into a live action remake in general because it's just hard. Like, it's just hard, you know. Thank God Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella had smooth, and Alice in Wonderland had smooth transitions with that. And truth be told, as I recall, there was another, there was another Alice in the Wonderland before the 2010 version that wasn't as good. So, you know, it, it does take time. You never know, like 30 years down the line, we might see another Aladdin film that pops up that's way better than the cartoon and this live action when they came out last Friday. So, kind of goes both ways. So, shout out to them. Shout out to Disney. Disney's doing anything, you know. I'm not going to throw away I'm not gonna throw away my love of the whole Disney franchise because of, you know, one bad film based on Arabian Nights. Now, um, moving on from that, there is a TV show called The Shy. And I'm assuming most people who are listening to this podcast, if you're listening to this segment, you have some kind of you have some kind some awareness of what I'm talking about because a lot of you guys came here from my uh, my shared spams uh, spammed um, messages about this. And if this has nothing to do with you, then simply look at the timestamp below and skip to the next topic. The Shy is a show set in Chicago. It is written by Lena Waithe. It is a very good show. I will say one of the best 
shows for African Americans that you can see on TV. Really good shows, paints us in a very terrible light, but at the same time, it's good. It's kind of like a new age wire, The Wire. Like it kind of reminds me of The Wire. It's a very great show. One of the lead cast members on the show, Jason Mitchell, has been accused of sexual harassment by his co-star, who actually plays his girlfriend in the film, Tiffany Boone, since the first season. And as far as I know, actually other people on the staff have reported that as well, have, have, have thrown sexual harassment accusations at this man as well. Now, these accusations have existed since season one. Season two is, is right now in, um, in circulation right now. Season two is happening right now. And recently, Tiffany Boone has left this has left the show. She 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 just quit out of her contract and quit. She didn't want to be bothered with it anymore. And the week before last, they kicked the uh, guy who's being accused of t- sexual harassment, Jason Mitchell, off the show. And not only has he been kicked off that show, he's been kicked off another show that he was about to be on on Netflix for sexual harassment charges as well. And even his talent agency dropped him. Now, like I stated on my YouTube channel and in a video earlier and like I stated in my podcast on Twitter all three of those things do not happen unless there's something really going on behind closed doors you don't get dropped from one show and then a totally different set of people and casts who have homes, families and cats and dogs or whatever else other animals that white people like to die by you don't get dropped from another show that's on a totally different platform has nothing to do with you for the same for the same charge for from the same charge from differing people and nothing's going on so i'm i'm assuming he did something and i went into depth about that in a two-minute video before i uploaded this podcast we're not talking about that the creator of the show lena waif you might have heard of her vaguely she hosted snl last saturday Halle berry kissed her gave her like a tongue tongue in the mouth kiss etc etc she was the co-writer, the writer, and the creator of the show. She's from Chicago. I do support her position in the entertainment industry. I do think she's giving a voice to a lot of colored LGBTQ people and et cetera, et cetera. Now, she's under fire low-key right now because, as was reported, she was made aware of these accusations in the first season, but she did nothing about it. She still kept the guy on the set. So her ass called into the breakfast club this morning breakfast club is a very popular radio station in african-american culture they're very they're kind of like the howard stern of our community she called in there and talked about it know what i mean and you know she said in essence what happened is first off and this is this is why i'm bringing this up she danced around this she danced around the actual issue so much Charlemagne the god sat in his chair lips on the microphone and asked her so do we we heard that you were made aware of, you know, of these sexual harassment allegations against J- uh, Jason Mitchell on the second, on the first season. Why didn't she do anything about it then? She, for the next 15 and a half minutes, went in this whole rant where she kept going around the fact that, you know, I'm a woman of color, I'm a person of color, and so it's hard for us out here, and so I'm a woman of color, and I stand for women of color, and I know that we go through a lot, but I just want to remind you that I'm a woman of color, and I, you know, I go to Starbucks, and they give me the special kind, the special child out there with the extra green sauce because I'm a woman of color, and when I get a Coca-Cola, I only get Diet Coke because I'm a woman of color. Like, she just spent every other six to seven seconds reminding you and me that she is a woman of color, and I just don't know what the hell, where, where in the hell that came from. That was just weird. And all to just say that she was made aware of those hara- of the her sexual harassment allegations against her. And she talked to Tiffany Boone and other people on the set at the time of season one. And her response to how to handle it was to, 
<laughs> her response how to handle it was to hire a black showrunner and hire more black staff because she felt like that would make the, this environment more safer. How in the hell do you come to that conclusion? If it's just one, if it's just, if it's, I don't know how you come to the conclusion that to stop sexual harassment from happening, from happening, sexual harassment that one person is doing, not the whole staff, but one person is doing, to make that person stop, what you're going to do is hire more black people. What the fuck? Did, how do you even come to that conclusion? Like, that was just so retarded. And I was very disappointed in Charlamagne the God for letting her get that stupid ass, ignorant ass comment off. Like, that really had me feeling some certain type of way. Like, bitch, are you serious? Like, it, it made no sense at all. Like, I was, I was real, I was really distraught about that. Like, I don't, I don't know how the hell, I don't know how the hell, that was just retarded. And I love Lena Waithe. I think, I, I, like I said, I love that she's a voice in the black community. I love having her here, but at the same time, it's like, bro, like, that was like the core. That was just so corny, bro. Like, like, like that was just some cornball ish, bro. Like y'all, you can't, you can't. That I'm, I was very disappointed that Charlamagne let her get that off, bro. Like that was just, that was just corny, bro. Like, what the fuck? You, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I just see the world a little bit differently than others. Like, I think what she see, what she needs to say is just be honest and say she didn't want to disrupt the success of the show and then she went into this whole thing about how she doesn't have that much control of the show and so it wasn't like she could do anything well, regardless if you didn't have that much control of the show i didn't see you being vocal about this nigga while he was still harassing this woman oh a year ago like this has been going on for a year and a half and like what what do you mean like you this just makes me mad like i don't when when celebrities when singers when actors when screenplay writers when executive executive producers when they fuck up and their fuck ups are discovered by the general public and they're slandered and they get on the breakfast club they get on ellen degeneres's couch and they come up with these bullshit ass apologies i really these bullshit ass pr apologies i really wonder do they think we believe this shit like who the hell is telling you who in the hell is telling you that people at large are going to believe these this bullshit like I'm, I was really disgusted. Like, I'm. I was really disgusted. Like, who? The, who told you? Who told you, bitch? Bitch, who told you this shit was gonna work? Like, who? Who told you this shit was? Who told you this shit was gonna be bull? Like, I'm curious. Like, who told you? I'm curious. I want you. I want because you need to fire that nigga. Whoever that. Whoever. Whoever the hell called you on your iPhone 11? Because I know you got one a better a better version than mine. Called you on your iPhone 11 and told you, you know, getting your woman a color bag. You need not listen to that nigga. And if it's you, you need to hire the nigga who would have told you not to say that. Nigga, hire me. I can call. I can tell you that right now. Like, I was very disappointed by that. I'm, I'm just being all with. Like, keeping all with 100 with you. As a black man, as a person of color, I don't like that you're trying to use. I don't like that you're trying to use our racial identity to try to to, to make to help people understand. Like that was just was retarded, bro. Like I, that just disgusted me. Um. I just that's I just had to get that off my chest because that really had me feeling a certain type of way. As far as Jason Mitchell, I already expressed my opinions about him in the in the episode before this, but I'm gonna say it again. It really disgusts me that this the thing I, I'll never get about people like that who sexually harass people is in this day and age, in this day and time, particularly when you are a celebrity, particularly when you are on a rap, when you are a rapper, a performer, somebody of high regard, 
you can have sex with literally anything. There are women out there. I've I've went through his comments. There are attractive women that are throwing themselves at him in his Instagram comments on a regular basis, at least before a lot the Wednesday, Wednesday before last. Like, why are you sexually harassing this woman on set? If she does not want you, then leave her the fuck alone. Now, once again, somebody could bring up the point to me that maybe they had a sexual encounter beforehand and afterwards he, he kept pushing the issue but when she got a boyfriend she has a boyfriend who actually does act he play he, he actually is a talented actor as well he plays in a show called dear white people when he does um when she does do that when when she does when he well afterwards maybe they had some disagreement and now they weren't cool anymore and she was acting funny style i thought that might be i wouldn't argue that that might be a possibility if it was not for the fact if it was not for the fact that and a totally different TV show, a totally different cast, totally different setting. You see that this man, the, these accusations follow him there. So you can see that this is, you can see that this is nothing of new. Like you can see this is, this is consistent with, this is consistent. And it's, this is a consistent complaint about his, about him being on set. So it's sad. I mean, and, and the sad thing about it is like, I expressed this in the last episode. Like bro is talented. Like I do believe he is a talented actor. I'm not. I'm not going to take that away from him. I think he's talented, but he can't harass women, bro. It's sad. You know, he's he's dope at what he does. I loved him, and I loved him in the shot. Like he's. I don't even know if the show's going to continue because him and the girl, him and the girl, and you know what the funny thing about that show is. Even from season one, and she's she's a good actor. Tiffany Boone is a good actress actress as well. Even from season one. I could kind of see there was something iffy about their chemistry on screen. And I was going to sound weird. I hate to sound like that, like the, the know-it-all who knew it all. Like, even from season one, I knew, I just saw something kind of weird about the way that they acted, bro. Like, it was, it was, it was just something off about their chemistry, bro. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's, you, you could kind of look at them and see there was something that, there was just something off about them. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It just, that's just, just what I, from what I saw. But I pray for all parties involved. I pray for Lena Waithe. I just wish she would take more responsibility and be more like, just be more real. Like I don't know, like that just that whole thing rubbed me the wrong way. Moving on from that, uh, I saw the post. I saw the trailer for the Dark Crystal for Dark Crystal on Netflix. I did see that. Um, and I only saw about fifteen to seventeen seconds into the trailer. Shout out to the dude who was narrating that trailer. A very, very talented narrator. I think my voice sounds better, but it is what it is. You know, I didn't get the call back. They didn't call me. They didn't want me. And I feel like I feel a certain type of way. I'm a hater. I'm hating about it. But it is what it is. Um, it was funny. I was actually going to watch the original Dark Crystal about two weeks ago, and I just stopped just because I decided to watch the Labyrinth. I like how it looks interesting. I mean, I. I've never seen the original Dark Crystal. I just I downloaded it and deleted it that same day. So, but it seems interesting. I mean, I might check it out. I might. It does. It does interest me. It does catch my appeal. It does catch my eye. It seems like something that is of worth. That is of merit. That I should take time to watch. Um. I mean, you know, it's um. I love films that are dark fantasy. That are fantasy, but have like a dark feel to it. I'm praying this is one of those films. When I was a child, I was just into films that just showed trolls and dragons and darkness. But now I like films that are like I, now I like films that are like that, but still have a hint of like I don't know. Like I like I like dark films. I like I like you know what films. Start shout out to Guillermo del Toro. Films kind of like in the way that he directs his films. 
I love films like that. So if it's if it's kind of along the lines like that, where you have the fantasy, you have the monsters, you have the anthropomorphic talking characters that look like they should never exist outside of the Bible, but you still have them have personalities and have darkness and have real genuine like. But then I don't know. And then it goes both ways because I really like that one movie called Moon, and oh my god, that was such a good film. I'm gonna watch that tonight when I go home tonight. Moon, but. But at the same, but at the same time, I don't know. It just it just depends. Like I said, I'm going to watch it. I want you guys to let me know in the comments what do you think. Should I watch it or should I not watch it? We'll see what people think, and we'll see where it goes from there. Um, moving on from moving on from that. Uh, I guess that can be it. I guess the last topic we can end this with is the baby fight. Shout to the baby fight. Um, I guess we can talk about that because yeah, I got time. This will be the last topic. I watched the I watched the little um <clears throat> I watched the little kerfuffle between the baby and Cam Coldheart, Coldhearted Cameron, Cameron Dallas as we have seen him. I'm pretty sure everybody who's listening to this podcast is aware of the fight, the altercation that took place between the baby and Coldhearted Cam, Frozen Bane, Frozen Soul Cam. Um and well, I'm pretty sure we all saw on camera the complete ass whooping that he took at the hands of this diminutive man and his brother or bodyguard. I forgot which of the person he was. Um, that's what happens when you talk shit. That is what happens when you when you when you cash checks that you, when you mouth cash checks that your ass can't cash. Um, and that's all I really have to say about this situation. I love the baby. I love his music. I love what he does with his culture. I feel like he's a staple. I feel like he's very entertaining. His music definitely wakes me up in the morning. Um, I have quoted him on this podcast a few times. He calls himself the prettiest chocolate negro around. I feel like my facial features hold that hold that title, but you know it is what it is. We can have a debate about that later. And I think he's dope at what he does. I do think he is the future of Southern hip hop. When I listen to his music, I'm kind of re- I reminisce about the old school. And when I say old school, I'm referring to early 2000s hip hop that I used to hear. Like I hear like a better sounding version of Ti. Like he just it sounds dope, but like, he, he's he's a good rapper. He's dope at what he does. I, I I can say that honestly. Like I'm not even saying that just because I like his music. Like he's dope at what he does. Like he he's dope, and I and I do, you know, like I said, he's a dope rapper. But um, all right. Pretty much it for the night. Much love, peace, and chicken grease. I was recording this in a coffee shop. That's why you hear the sound of folk music and and uh, white people talking. You know what it is, what it is. Um, we shall be back with another episode probably tomorrow or the day after. Much love and peace and chicken grease. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for being a part of the family. And I shall convene. I shall conversate. I shall interact. I shall be. I shall be in thine ear probably tomorrow or the day after. Thank you.